0: to The Word for Today, featuring the Bible teaching of Pastor Chuck Smith, founder of the Calvary Chapel Movement. This radio program is a verse-by-verse study through the entire Bible. And on today's edition of The Word for Today, Pastor Chuck continues with the priesthood of Melchizedek, as we pick up in Psalm chapter 110, verse
1: 2. And now,
0: with today's message, here's Pastor Chuck.
1: The priest would appear before God for the people, because the people themselves could not approach the holy righteous God it was necessary that they come to the priest who was a mediator and the priest would go to God for the people and then having gone to God for the people he would come out to the people and speak to them for God And so God said unto Aaron, and when you go forth and put my name upon the people, put my name on the people thus. The Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord cause his face to shine upon thee and give thee peace. So he represented God to the people, but he represented the people to God, so he was a mediator. Now, in the New Testament, we have a new mediator, not a son of Levi. But he became the great high priest who went before God to represent us and who comes to us to represent the Father. But a Jew would immediately object to Jesus receiving the title of the great high priest. For a Jew would say, how can Jesus be a great high priest when he comes from the tribe of Judah? The Bible doesn't say anything about Judah being the priesthood, but speaks of Levi and the priesthood in Levi. Therefore, how can Jesus be the high priest coming from the tribe of Judah? And this is how that difficulty is solved. Even in the Scripture itself, even in prophecy, God threw this into the mind of the psalmist as he's writing this psalm, God threw it in, in order that there might be the basis for the high priesthood of Jesus. For thou hast sworn and will not repent. I have sworn and will not repent, or the Lord has sworn and will not repent. Thou art a priest forever after, not the Aaronic order or the Levitical order, But after the order of Melchizedek, an order of priesthood which actually precedes the order of Levi and is superior to the order of Levi in that the father of Levi paid tithes and did homage unto Melchizedek. So it is actually a superior order of priesthood, the priesthood of Melchizedek, to whom Abraham paid tithes and did homage. Therefore Christ, a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Now, there are certain Bible scholars that believe that Melchizedek was actually none other than Jesus Christ. In what is known as the theophany, the appearance of God in the Old Testament. In the Gospel of John, Jesus is having sort of an argument with the Pharisees. Concerning Abraham. And Jesus is talking about his father being God. And they said, we have Abraham as our father. And Jesus said, if you had Abraham as your father, then you would believe in me. For Abraham rejoiced to see my day. And they said, come on, who are you trying to kid? You're not 50 years old. What do you mean Abraham saw you? Jesus said, Before Abraham was, I am. But scholars believe that the reference to Abraham seeing, or rejoicing to see my day, is a reference to Melchizedek, when Abraham paid tithes unto him. So it is a very interesting verse that God has inserted here We go back to Genesis, but we also go on to the book of Hebrews where this is used as the argument to the Jews to point out how that Christ can be our great high priest, not after the Levitical order, but after the order of Melchizedek, a different order of priesthood, and showing that God had declared it. The Lord had sworn and will not repent. Thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. The Lord at thy right hand shall strike through the kings in the day of his wrath. He shall judge among the heathen. He shall fill the places with the dead bodies. Of course, this is talking now about the the great judgment of God that is coming. As he strikes through the kings in the day of his wrath, the day of God's wrath has come, great tribulation. He will judge among the heathen. He shall fill the places with dead bodies as the blood will flow to the horse's bridle throughout the whole valley of Megiddo. He shall wound the heads over many countries. He shall drink of the brook in the way. Therefore shall he lift up the head. Psalm 111 has 22 lines. It is known as an acrostic psalm. Each line in this psalm begins with a succeeding letter of the Hebrew alphabet. And so the first line of the psalm in Hebrew begins with Aleph. The second line in Hebrew begins with Beth. The third line begins with Gimel. And the fourth with Dileth and so forth through the Hebrew alphabet, each line. Uh, and this is true also of Psalm 112, another psalm of 22 lines. They are called acrostic uh, because of uh, the alphabet is used in a succeeding way throughout the psalm. It begins with Alleluia. Praise unto the Lord. Alleluia. I will praise the Lord with my whole heart in the assembly of the upright and in the congregation. The works of the Lord are great, sought out of all of them that have pleasure therein. His work is honorable and glorious, and His righteousness endureth forever. He hath made his wonderful works to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion. Again, how wrong it is to picture the God of the Old Testament as a God of judgment and wrath and all, void of love. Here again, the psalmist declares the Lord is gracious, full of compassion, He hath given meat to them that reverence him. He will ever be mindful of his covenant. He has showed his people the power of his works that he may give them the heritage of the heathen. The works of his hands are truth and judgment, and all of his commandments are sure. They stand fast forever and ever and are done in truth and uprightness. He sent redemption unto his people. He hath commanded his covenant forever. Holy and reverend is his name. Don't call me Reverend. There's nothing reverend about the name of Chuck or Smith. I refuse the title, it is used in the scripture only of the name of the Lord. To me, it would be almost blasphemous to tag that title onto me or onto my name. In fact, I don't like any titles. But I always wonder about the person who tacks a reverend on his signature when it is a title that is ascribed only to that holy name of Yahweh. That is the name that is reverend or to be reverenced. But man, in seeking the honor of man and the glory from man, takes that title to himself because he wants man to, you know, give him prestige and glory and honor. And so somewhere along the line, back in history, ministers began to take the tag of reverend so-and-so. Reverend, and then their name. And then the right reverend. And then the most right reverend. And then the most holy right reverend. And I'm sure that God looks down and says, (laughs) No, he doesn't say that, honey. (laughs) No, he doesn't say that. But I'm sure he's disgusted with it, however he expresses his disgust. (laughs) That men should seek to exalt their name. Oh, God, help us. Let us exalt the name of Jesus. God has given him a name that is above all name, that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess. But as far as man, we're all dust, we're all flesh, we're all corrupt. And titles by which men try to elevate themselves above others are a curse. They're a sign of pride, and reverend is a sign of spiritual pride, which is the worst kind ever. Holy and reverend is his name. Whew. For any man to take the title of reverend, there's got to be something wrong with his theology. The fear of the Lord, or the reverence of the Lord. And actually the word fear is reverence. The reverence of Yahweh. You see, holy and reverent is His name. And the reverence of Yahweh is the beginning of wisdom. A good understanding have all they that do His commandments. His praise endureth forever. Now, let me say this. I believe that there are many men who have taken the title of reverend in, in sheer ignorance. I mean, I don't think that they are really trying to exalt themselves. Or every man that signs that reverend, you know, whoever, is trying to exalt himself and has a pride problem. And, and that, I believe that there are some that just follow tradition and haven't even thought the thing through and haven't even gone to the scriptures and, and thus... You know, I put it down not to a real pride problem. I just put it down to stupidity. Uh, We better move on into Psalm 112. (laughs) Again, it begins with the Hebrew. Hallelujah. Blessed is the man that reverences Jehovah. Again, the man who reverences God, not the man who reverences the you know, a guy standing up in front or a guy with a black robe or whatever, but a guy who reverences God, that's the blessed man, that's the happy man that delights greatly in his commandments. David said, whose delight is in the law of the Lord and in his law doth he meditate both day and night. David said, oh, blessed or oh, happy is the man who delights in the law of the Lord and in his law meditates day and night for he'll be like a tree. All right, now here again. Happy is the man who delights greatly in his commandments. This man, his children, will be mighty upon the earth. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Wealth and riches shall be in his house. And I do not believe that that necessarily refers to physical, monetary wealth, but really The really rich and wealthy people are those people, the really rich home and wealthy home is that home where God is honored. They are the people who have the true riches, the riches of the kingdom, riches that don't corrupt, riches that don't fade away, riches that can't be ripped off, those glorious true riches of God's kingdom. Wealth and riches shall be in his house, and his righteousness endureth. Forever, Unto the upright he rises as a light in the darkness Would be a better translation For he is gracious, he's full of compassion And righteous, that is our righteousness in Christ A good man shows favor and he lends He will guide his affairs with discretion Surely he shall not be moved forever the righteous shall be an everlasting remember, remembrance. He shall not be afraid of evil tidings. His heart is fixed, trusting in the Lord. We're living in days of evil tidings. At any day, you can pick up the newspaper and read of all the evil that is going on in the world. And there are some people who live in constant fear of the evil tidings that might come. But the man who's put his trust in the Lord will not fear in the day of evil tidings because his heart is fixed. There are some people whose hearts aren't really fixed. It isn't a true commitment, it isn't a full commitment. They made a com- partial commitment of their lives to God. Part of them serves the Lord, part of them serves the flesh. They love the Lord partly. And because of that, they are very unstable in their walk. And they're fearful. But the man who has fixed his heart, trusting in the Lord, I know that come what may, the Lord is with me. I know that come what may, the Lord is going to protect me. I know that the Lord is watching out over me. I know the Lord loves me. I may not understand what's happening in the circumstances surrounding my life, but I know that God loves me, and I know that God's going to see me through. I know that God has allowed it for a purpose. I know that it would not have happened unless God allowed it to happen, and because He allowed it to happen, He has a purpose in its happening, and thus He's going to bring good out of it, though I may not see it now. And because I've fixed my heart and commitment to God, come what may, you don't fear for calamity that may fall tomorrow. You don't fear for what may come because you know that whatever comes is brought to you by the hand of God. I belong to him. Satan cannot get to me except he come through the Lord. And therefore, trusting in the Lord, my heart is fixed on him I have great confidence in life. His heart is established. He shall not be afraid. He shall see his desire upon his enemies. He hath dispersed, he is given to the poor, his righteousness endureth forever. His horn shall be exalted with honor. Now, in contrast to this righteous man, the wicked shall see it and be grieved The wicked will gnash with his teeth and melt away. See, the righteous will endure forever. But the wicked will gnash and melt away. The desire of the wicked, rather than being granted, will perish. So you have a psalm that deals with God's blessed man, and then the final verse being a contrast to it with the wicked man. Psalm 1 has the same contrast, Oh. How happy is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, sinner, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord. In his law doth he meditate day and night. He'll be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, bringing forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, whatsoever he do shall prosper Now, the wicked are not so. See the contrast. The wicked are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. Again, you have much said about the righteous, but then the contrast with the wicked and the wicked. This is poetry in the mind of the Hebrew. The poetry comes in the contrasting of the thought. Now, in our minds, we're geared for poetry coming in rhyme and in rhythm. So you get a rhythm going and it rhymes. And and I particularly like the Robert Service type of poetry where you rhyme two lines and every third line is in the rhyme. And uh, there are others. Um, The first line, the first and third, no, the first and fourth lines rhyme and the two in between rhyme. Longfellow's Ode to Life. Tell me not in mournful numbers, life is but an empty dream. For the soul is dead that slumbers, things are not what they seem. No, it's every other one in his. Life is real, life is earnest, and the grave is not thy goal. Dust thou art to dust returneth, was not spoken of thy soul. But then Robert Service uh, there are strange things done neath the midnight sun by the men who toil for gold. The Arctic trails hold their secret tales that make your blood run cold. The northern lights have seen queer sights, but the queerest they ever did see was the night on the marge of the Lake La Barge when I cremated Sam McGee. You know. And uh, so that, that constitutes poetry to us. There's the rhythm, there's the rhyme. But to the Hebrew, the poetry was in the thought. And it was either in a compounding of a thought or the contrasting of a thought. So you take a thought and you begin to compound it. The ways of the Lord are perfect. The ways of the Lord are to be sought out. The ways of the Lord, and you are compounding on the thought. Or you take contrasting thought, the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked, the way of the godly, but the way of the ungodly. And so the contrasting of thought to the Hebrew mind is poetry. There's no rhyme, there's no rhythm. And so we wouldn't call it poetry ourselves. But to them, that is what constitutes poetry, not the rhyming of a sentence or or not the rhythm, but the, the thought itself. They find the beauty of poetry in the thought itself. So after all of these things about the blessed man, then you get the contrast in the final verse, but the wicked shall see it. And in contrast to the righteous, he will be grieved, he'll gnash with his teeth, he'll melt away, he'll perish. Psalm 113 begins and ends with hallelujah. Praise ye the Lord. Praise, O ye servants of the Lord. Praise the name of Yahweh. Blessed be the name of the Lord, or blessed be the name Yahweh, from this time forth and forevermore.
0: We'll return with more of our verse-by-verse Bible study, the book of Psalms, on our next broadcast, as Pastor Chuck continues to teach through the Bible. And we do hope you'll make plans to join us. But right now, if you'd like to order a copy of today's message, simply order Psalms 110-113 through when visiting thewordfortoday.org. And while you're there, be sure to browse the many additional biblical resources by Pastor Chuck. You can also subscribe to the Word for Today podcast or sign up for our email subscription. Once again, that's thewordfortoday.org.
1: His hand be upon your life for good. May the Lord bless you and strengthen you and fill you with His Holy Spirit that you might walk in His love, that you might be an instrument through which He works His work of love in a world that is filled with hate and suspicion. May your life be as a light shining in a dark place, bringing hope those who sit in darkness. In Jesus' name.
0: This program has been sponsored by Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa, California.
1: Have you ever had a friend who's not a believer and they ask you a question about the Bible and you're thrilled? Finally, they want to know about God, but then you go blank because you can't remember the scripture that would answer their very question. You're not alone. It happens to me all the time, and I think if only I had a quick scripture reference that would help me right then and there, that would be perfect. Well, guess what I found? Pastor Chuck's Old and New Testament study guides are available to download as ebooks instantly to your phone or mobile device. Now, whenever you need to find the meaning to a scripture reference quickly, you can. Pastor Chuck has written great little Bible commentaries to help anyone come to a better understanding of God's Word. To find out more and to read a book preview, visit theWordFortoday.org and click on the link to download the Old and New Testament study guides by Chuck Smith. Or if you would like to order these books in print, call the Word for Today at 800 272 Two ninety six seventy three.